0: Hi, this is Both Are True, uh, a podcast where I speak to different spiritual thinkers uh, about their belief systems and their worldviews to get ideas and practices that can support healing in this crazy world. In this first episode, I'm speaking to Vuisua Krakatwaneh who is a writer and a Isangoma based in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you haven't listened to part one yet, please do. Um, it's about Vuiswa and her calling and yeah, what it was like for her to become an Isangoma. It's a really good background for this part of the conversation, part two, uh, where we explore the differences and the similarities between different uh, spiritual paradigms and religions. I tend to draw hard lines between different religions and different ways of thinking spiritually. But in this part of the conversation, Vujusar really helps me see that um, there's more similarities um, than I thought and that a wise way of kind of going about your spiritual practice is to consult different ways of thinking and to um, draw on different kind of knowledge systems uh, to support your own healing and your own journey. Here it is.
1: And my dream for my practice is to work with psychologists and physicians and all sorts of medical professionals because I think the healing healing sciences have a lot in common mm. um, and I, I'm not like a fan of opposing like indigenous knowledge systems and healing methodologies with like modern science I think. Yeah, they don't
0: have to be on opposite ends. Yeah uh,
1: and I think the only thing that modern science has that we don't have is resources so they can right. test things and they can put things in labs yeah. and we have to preserve them in memory and in Practice, you know, yeah. so a big part of African spirituality is also apprenticeship. Like, you have to watch someone do something. Yeah. You can't just read it in a book. Young people like myself are like, can't you just write things down? And it's like, no, you must go sit and your grandmother must tell you. Yeah. You yeah. know, you must go sit next to somebody and watch them harvest or whatever, paint or, you know, like you must engage the actual site of knowledge and not just absorb the knowledge, mm. which I think is a very colonial and city thing again, you know, to say that we engage knowledge and information in a particular way.
0: Yeah. You know? Well, there's different ways of knowing, right? There's the there's the uh, theoretical way of knowing, as in you read something and you're like, oh, yeah, that, mm-hmm. I know that now. Yep. And then there's experiencing that. And that's a more holistic knowing.
1: And I that, think that's that more African. It. Okay. You know, so I was doing also something... Um, with Wikipedia, and I was just coming in there with like indigenous knowledge because everybody's talking about wada wada wada. And I'm like, I'm not saying that we were not writing things down. You know, the oldest universities on African soil. So it's not like writing is, you know, is, is a way. But like you're saying, for a more holistic experience, I think, and again, that it's like an intergenerational conversation mm. that now takes place, you know.
0: But well, it acknowledges that some, that everything changes because so there's this is interesting and maybe we, sh- we can talk about it now but like i was thinking about the the contrasts between christianity and i mean can i say african spirituality is it too vague is it uh, mm. okay like
1: uh, so, for me, I'm like, I'm South African.
0: Okay. So, can, can I say South African You know, spiritual... everybody's
1: saying African spirituality, but I'm like, we don't know what they're doing right. in Dogon. We don't yeah. know what they're doing in Ghana. We know what's happening here.
0: Great. You okay. know, so,
1: yeah, to circle it back here is, I think, safe.
0: So, the difference between Christianity and what I understand from kind of the way that spirituality uh, progressed in South Africa or mm. in Southern Africa is that Christianity, one of its biggest traits, is that it's written down. Mm. There's the Bible, there's a hard reference, it fucking doesn't change. Oh, it does change, actually, and then a new church pops up. Um, and that that continues doing, but then they change the, the writing yeah. or they uh, take a chapter out of the Bible or they put a chapter into the Bible. So there's a central centralized mm. knowledge point. Yeah, And that makes uh, Christianity f- quite fixed. Mm. Like, it it can't really change, it makes it exclusive, whereas what I understand from the way spirituality progressed here is that it was an oral tradition. Mm. So the knowledge was, uh, you know, um, handed down from generation to generation. And one of the great things about that, in my thinking, is that that makes it fluid and it makes it adaptable, and it, it acknowledges that as the world and as people grow, things change. Yeah. It also makes it inclusive. So I know some people can be Christian and uh, mm-hmm. a Sangoma, mm-hmm. for example. Or just, you know, you can go to church on Sunday, but you could also consult a Sangoma. Yeah. But Christians, especially in my in my community traditionally, yeah. you can't be anything else. Yeah. I mean,
1: my mom is a like Christian. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think so for me, there is religion, and then there's spirituality. Okay. And I think I was very opposed to Christianity. I lost like interest in church a long time ago, like mm. long before I initiated. Mm. Just didn't resonate with me. My politics seemed you know, misaligned. It was just, it was not working. And when I initiated, I was like, I'm an African. I'm not into Christianity, colonizers, <laughs> what, 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 what. And then my ancestors, started leading me back into, like, very Christian-esque things. So the Bible and particular robes mm. and scriptures and prayer as an insistence, you know. And so I had to understand that there is a God, there is a source, and there are my ancestors, and then those things are working on different levels, maybe for the same purpose, but on different levels. Mm. And so they require different levels of engagement okay and then also realizing that there is the source and the divinity of all things in me and so it's important to connect with that which is not necessarily the same as my ancestors okay you know because these are people in my bloodline
0: right whereas yeah, you know, but we're all connected to yes. a, a source you know yeah. you know yeah.
1: And this is where, like, some of the the resistance around Christianity kind of to, like, ease up a little bit because now I needed to read the Bible for guidance, you know. Now I needed to to pray, to connect, and to do my work as a healer, you know. And so that was very interesting. And that's where, like, the distinction happened for me of, like, religion is very clear in terms of
0: what role it is and what it
1: does. And I think also religion, again, is very capitalistic in its... Nature. So when you speak about um, uh, exclusivity, that's like a very capitalistic trait of like Mm -hmm. only for certain people, the chosen ones, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas Ubuntu, which Mm -hmm. I think is an innate guiding principle of African spirituality, at least in South Africa, um, says that there is space for everybody, Mm -hmm. you know. There is no one actually that is more valuable than the other. Mm -hmm. You know, the sum of the parts is equal. Everybody Mm -hmm. brings Mm -hmm. and makes this thing whole. Mm -hmm. And so that means everybody's welcome and there is a space and there is a role and there is just you know an importance and an esteem and a consideration for everybody whether Mm -hmm. you're old you're young you're gay you're white you're you know Mm -hmm. there is a space for you here um yeah and Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i would imagine that even in other cultures and spirituality in other places would be the same whereas religion is very much just like For those special ones, you know, and for for the ones that follow the rules Mm. and, you know. But I mean, the way that I've, like, been open to scripture, I'm just like, y'all are just doing the same shit the Bible told y'all not to do. Uh, Yeah, It's like the same thing. And it's just crazy. It's
0: just like... You mean how uh, the ideas in the Bible have been manipulated and warped to suit... Um, certain groups, yeah and um, also just
1: the way that certain people are treated from a christian perspective you know intolerance you know he speaks about at the time it was the prostitutes and the lepers and i was like if they came here you guys would be like if jesus himself came back they wouldn't believe it's him <laughs> they wouldn't
0: uh-huh. you know because
1: they're so like caught up and that's what religion does where you just like in the semantics, but not in the feeling and the sentiment of something, Yeah, you know, like, yeah. you know, the scripture, but you don't know what the scripture actually means.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, um, you don't connect
0: with it in, yeah. the, in the knowledge way that we've been talking about, the experiential yeah. way, you connect yes. with it intellectually. Mm-hmm. And that's the other difference that I pick up between the, let's, I'm going to say, warped version of Christianity, because I think. At some point, and I think Jesus was an incredible I think
1: he's a pretty good guy. person
0: and as an archetype is a really great character for us to have as a role model and to reference and to think about. But I think what's become of Christianity yes. is a warped version of what he was preaching. So Christianity, in, in my understanding and my experience when I was young, again, the warped version, is quite separate from life. Mm-hmm. You've got your job, you've got your family, and job is kind of first, right? The marketplace kind of comes first. And then Christianity is something that you keep yeah. for Sundays, or you keep for when you feel fear
1: mm-hmm. or anxiety
0: and you feel like you need something mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm being very cynical, and I'm, I'm sorry to all the, you know, hardcore Christians. We
1: ain't lying, no.
0: But um, uh, in my experience, uh, spirituality in the in the African space isn't separate. It is a part of life. It is indistinguishable. It is a way of life. Is that correct? Is yep. that a right reading?
1: And this is what I was saying in the beginning, that it's like I was introduced into the space through my calling, but as I engaged it, I realized that this is more about a way of life as opposed to doing a particular thing. Yes. You know, okay. it's about how you treat someone. So when we say San instead of salbona in the plural instead of the singular. You know, an acknowledgement of not just the person who's in front of me, but all of the people that are present with them but are unseen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: Or that you? is a fascinating part of African language. I just have to pause there because Natasha was teaching me some Sutu, yeah, uh, Dumela and Dumelang, uh, and she was like, even if you're like greeting a security guard yep. who's been sitting, who seems to be sitting by himself, you can say Dumelang, and I yeah. was like, how does that make any sense? Because
1: it, because that's what like we understood that it's not just this person, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and even the the idea of understanding that people walk with their grandparents, their, you know, ancestors is not reserved for the space of healing. It's Mm -hmm. just the way that we understood us to be as a people, you know? And so the language is also very important, you know, because it, uh, Mm -hmm. Masilo Mutada says, it reflects a, a hemisphere of thinking mm. as opposed to like just one intention or like something, you know, yeah. it says that we are thinking of everybody and we acknowledge everybody, mm-hmm. not only I'm greeting you because I see, you you know, yeah. it's like so much more to that. And so, I mean, I think that's another thing that we're going to have to invest more in, you know, which is preserving these languages because as the world becomes more globalized and, you know, mm like I'm saying, a young girl grew up in the city, multiracial school. It's one of the things that I had to relearn, you know, my home language and my indigenous tongue and connecting with it. And and there's certain things that you can't say in English, you know, and I struggled. Mm. I was like, damn, I don't even know what's yellow in my own language. You know, it's like, you know, so things like that, you know. Um, So language is, is one thing, you know, that, reminds us of the interconnectedness and the consideration for everything you know um in a way that christianity or i mean i always blame capitalism i'm like and like capitalism because even christianity to become christianity was the romans you know, for capital gain and for empire vibes and trying to conquer and those things, you know, mm-hmm. they were very int- intentional about their use of the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so I'm just like, and for me, capitalism is an opposition to Ubuntu, which again is for me the gri- the guiding principle, you know, so here is this thing that says you have to be on top, you have to be the best of the best, you have to be number one, and you're you alone. have to, exactly, yeah. you know, whereas, you I mean another thing that i've been talking about like in the past couple of weeks is the um, this idea of a nuclear family that's yeah. completely un-african yeah. you know yeah. yeah western kind of framework i guess of relating says parents and children in one home and then parents somewhere else even this thing of like taking your parents to an old age home it's like <laughs> you know like how yeah. um whereas in our community or you know the way that things have been done is that in your home there would be the parents a grandparent and whoever else, you know, like your cousin was, your sister, you know, whatever, you know, and I was saying that I can see how, and I I see this and I know this because watching my dad as a grandparent is so redemptive for, I suppose, the childhood trauma, you know, Mm -hmm. that like there's something that is fixed and is healed and is softened. When I see him relating as a grandfather, as opposed to our relationship as daughter and you know
0: fuck wait that is so interesting so you're saying that you feel like a part of your childhood trauma is healing Mm -hmm. because you're witnessing your dad with my son your son you know like there's something
1: about my experience with him that becomes softened when i see him and i guess it's growing also talking about how things change Mm. you know and Mm. i would imagine that that was part of the intention to be able to see your parents parent in a way that they didn't parent you, mm-hmm. you know, and also for you as a parent to get this relief as well, to not have to be the only person to parent, Yeah,
0: you know? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. um, yeah, you can now just thinking about it from like a practical point of view, you can now make money, you can make more money, you can support the family in a better way. You can support your dad maybe in a way that he supported you when you were young, you know,
1: mm-hmm. so, And I always say that the intelligence that our ancestors had is something that we are still catching up to. Mm. You know, we think that things were just like that, but there's a reason why they were like that, Mm. you know. So, yeah, the the family setup is one great example of that, of how it's almost the way that we live is in opposition to what was intended, Mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And even as Isangoma working in the city, like when I see the kind of issues that people come to me with, a lot of them are like... Um, urban problems you know like again like uh, things around money things around relationships things around um trauma mm. which also has this i'm not sure um and i'm sure they are isangoma that like that's their forte and they work in that space but i'm, I'm not a psychologist mm. you know and i'm mm. sure a long time ago isangoma did play that role but the yeah the imagine. challenges weren't the same
0: Yeah. You know, like trauma was different, a way of thinking about mental
1: health was different. Yeah. Um where like yeah, so depression for instance, you know, I think the the kind of world that we live in encourages depression. Yeah. You know, like state of capitalism encourages depression, you know. As opposed to if someone was depressed four hundred years ago, they could maybe uh, attribute it to like a spiritual malady. You know, like mm. maybe this is the, the generational trauma that we were talking about earlier on mm. and not necessarily the result of the, the environment today, that you're yeah. living in, you know. Mm. So the solutions are not the same because the problems are different, mm. um, even though the illnesses maybe present in the same way, you mm. know. And so, again, this is also why I want to be more informed in my practice, to have psychologists so that if somebody does come into my practice who does not have a spiritual issue, but really has a mental health problem, Mm -hmm. they can be recommended, you know? And same that side, if there's somebody who actually, this is not like Mm. psychiatric, but actually spiritual, spiritual, then they can be recommended, you know? Um, But we're at a place now where it's quite oppositional,
0: but... Well, you were just saying you've got a client who's a psychologist. Oh, yes, yeah. it it seems like... uh... Some people are. I mean, is she she, uh, Black Mm -hmm. African? Um, She's
1: Black. Um, And I think the nice thing is that her students obviously are from all walks of life, you know, Mm and as a lecturer, she maybe has a particular understanding. But I think it's also important and great that she can share that with her students as well. You know, Um, I think.
0: Well, I think the ideal mm -hmm. world would be that we've got different ways of healing uh, for different scenarios and for different people and that these fields engage and interact and collaborate. Cool. I hope there was something in there for you. In the next uh, part of the conversation, part three, we and I speak about how the Sangoma community responded to things like um, HIV in South Africa and more recently COVID-19. Um, And then we speak about a whole bunch of stuff. We speak about uh, the placebo effect, uh, capitalism, and really interestingly, uh, social media and how Sangomas today, especially young Sangomas in South Africa, are using the social media kind of platforms uh, to support their practices and kind of, yeah, the ethics involved there. Um, I hope you listen to it. Until then.